really got to try on that left-hand side. What happened? <laughs> oh, but I've gone up and over, and Marty had over biscuit. It was a, uh, it was, a, it wasn't enough stability there for myself. But um, no, I was busting for a bit of meat this game. It didn't seem to work out. Hello, cheers, and welcome, welcome to the Scrum of the Earth, the podcast that offers news, results, predictions, interviews, and just lots of other stuff, too. As always, I am David Lawrence. I'm an American rugby fan who follows as much rugby as I possibly can all over the world. And the Scrum of the Earth is a weekly podcast, uh, though, as my listeners know, it's, uh, it's kind of a lot more than that. It's kind of a lot more frequent than that. So thank you so much for tuning in. Always get in touch. I am at of Scrum. I'm also found via the Scrum of the Earth at gmail.com. Drop me a line about whatever, whenever, however you like. Tonight, <clears throat> I'm sitting here with my uh, my big fat mug of tea, but tonight's a bit special. First, because there was so much rugby this weekend, I'm going to have to split this pod into two, and uh, I'm going to do so along hemispherical lines. That seems like the simplest way. So this half is going to cover my Eagles, uh, the Prem, the URC, and the Super Six. And tomorrow's pod will cover the NPC as well as, obviously, the final weekend of the rugby championship, which included, and I'm still on the fence, possibly, maybe, the best rugby match I've ever watched. Uh, and then, of course, second, the reason tonight's a little a little different, a little special, uh, a certain Mr. Tom Brady is, uh, I assume, as I record this, uh, utterly destroying my beloved Patriots down in Foxborough. I am so glad I don't have the ability to watch that right now. So here at the Scrum of the Earth, we do have a reliable weekly format, and thus does it go. Uh, current updates, that's just what's up with me, personally. Uh, news, what's happening around the world of rugby. Thoughts of the week, what's interesting or annoying me this week. And, I mean, I'm not even going to go into it. Uh, I'm just waiting for you guys to take that over. That, this segment is for you, and I have yet to have anyone say, you know what, talk about this. Then I'll do, of course, reviews and previews, and in between which we will do our newest feature, the Diamond in the Rock, just my player, for, uh, my pick for the player of the week. So as always, thank you so much for listening. Let's get to it. Current updates. Okay, well, I guess I should use this chance to say I have started my new career as a teacher, um, or I, I, I'm theoretically about to this week, uh, fingers crossed. It's what I've always wanted to do. Uh, I've spent my life doing jobs I don't like under the supervision of people that I don't respect. And I needed to make a change. So uh, most of you probably don't know that I was laid off, as, as so many people were, uh, because of COVID. And I decided that uh, that's an opportunity for me to do something different rather than just taking it as a setback. But of course, you know, the reality is a lot harder to negotiate than that nebulous idea. You know, that, that sounds really great, but it, it's, a, it's a struggle. That's where I am right now. And, uh, but I can and I will do it. So friends, wish me luck. It's going to be a whole new challenge. Uh, frankly, I could use all the support I could get. And uh, I'm getting a lot of it, though. You know, I'm not going to lie. Uh, I have a, a great family around me. Yes, Isa, as always, it is too good, and I'm very excited about this week's news. So, as many of you may know, Edinburgh Rugby has a nice new shiny little stadium. Uh, it's immediately adjacent to the aged and cavernous Murray Field. <clears throat> uh, from, you know, what very little I've heard, it's lovely and just much more intimate. It, it sounds like a great place to go see rugby. 
So the people in charge decided, so we got a new venue. We need a new song. We need a new song to play every time we get a try. Like, that's a great idea, right? I, I love where this goes. This is how you use social media well. So they decided, well, wait a minute. We shouldn't just sit here and pick a song. The players should pick. So they opened up the question, what song should it be to all the players? And then they took all these suggestions together and posted them all together. And I'm pretty sure they had fans vote on it. And just the the selections of the players, like some amazing, brilliant ideas, like talk about a, a really well done job by their social media team at Edinburgh, like just to have the idea, like we're going to list these things and it's, it's going to be funny. And it was from the ridiculous to just the genius. Um, so one player, I, I'm, I apologize. I forget who it was, but he, um, he suggested uh, from the, 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 the movie pop star, the song I'm so humble. And I almost die laughing. Like you score a try on the other team and the whole place goes nuts. And then over the PA, they blare. I'm so humble. That just, uh, I was like, Oh, that is top notch. That's so good. But um, I'm pretty sure I can report. I think I heard this is the case and, you know, it's going to be, um, they came up with the final answer. Uh, and I'm even more happy about this one. So if they score a try, you'll hear the unmistakable voice of Fred Flintstone yelling yabba dabba doo before you hear, wait for it, the can-can. I know, it seems like a French thing or maybe something you would use to irritate the French, but no, 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 please think about it. That that melody just... Like, it's so raucous. It's been getting people out of their seats for, I think, 200 years now. It's going to be so loud. The place will just be rocking, coming in after the Fred Flintstone thing. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. Um, maybe you have to be there. Uh, but I think they have absolutely solved this one. Edinburgh. Good job on you this week. So thoughts of the week. So I've been, you know, <laughs> quote, covering, uh, unquote, the Scottish Super Six here on the pod for most of this season. And as you can tell, I've been loving it. It seems great. Um, the Scottish rugby pods I listen to, of course, cover it much more thoroughly and probably accurately than I do. And until about a week or so ago, all I had ever heard was just positive stuff, okay? Then, last week, I was actually a pod I don't usually, I, I don't know how I had missed it before, but there's a BBC Scotland rugby pod. I'm, I'm sorry, that, that's probably not the official name, but that's how you'll find it if you Google it. And there was quite a rant about the dark side of the Super 6. The point was, if I can summarize, again, I know I have listeners who know much more about this than I do, and I, I would love to hear from you. Um, the way to, you know, so so... It's common wisdom. The way to get better at rugby is to play rugby. The Super Six only play 11 times. Then, according to this person, as I say, this is the first time I've heard this, and it's not like I'm reporting it as fact, but he implied that the players are basically told you cannot play for other leagues, teams, anything, really. They just can't play rugby outside of this league. If you want to be in the Super Six, you can play these games, and that's it. And they will face dramatic punishments like... Uh, you know, bans and I guess fines. I, I wonder if you can, you know, can you get blood from a stone trying to find a semi-professional rugby player? Uh, you know, if they even breathe on another club, as I say, I can't verify this. Um, I just wonder if that's so. It seems like, you know, there's 52 weeks in the year, 11, that's 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 probably not enough. It, it's going to, is the idea, 
we've got you in the Super 6, and now we're going to keep you in the Super 6 because you're not going to advance, so we're going to keep you at this same level. I don't know. It, it seems like a, a a dark thing. I would love it if uh, any of you have any insight. Please get, get in touch. You know, I obviously... This is the first I'm hearing of it, and uh, maybe it was just one person going crazy, but uh, I'm very curious. Okay, that brings us to reviews and previews. And uh, because of the way this particular episode is going to be kind of cut in half, we'll have basically the first half of the reviews in this episode, the second half of the reviews in the the next episode, then the Diamond in the Rock, then the previews. So uh, it's actually very even. I think you'll you'll enjoy it. It's going to be great. Uh, anyway, of course, I do have to start with my USA Eagles, who did manage to beat Uruguay uh, despite the devastating loss of AJ McGinty, uh, who's also going to be absent for the uh, the clincher on Saturday. I had a lot of notes throughout this match. Uh, I'm just going to go through them. And and by the way, it, just in case you, you didn't know this, it's a two-test series. Um, whether you win this one or lose that one, it isn't as important. It's just aggregate score. So, um, in the end it's, you know, how many did you win by, because that's going to matter in the next game and so on. And, uh, that's going to be pretty important. It was really important in our, uh, two test series against Canada in our favor. And, uh, it's looking, it's looking similar this time around. Okay. First off, before I even get to the, the match, like, and I'm literally just going to go through my notes as sort of in the moment notes. Um, but very first thing, what is happening with our uniforms? I do not pledge allegiance to the maroon Navy and cream. Can we please get kits that don't look like to go cups from the early 1990s? Ugh, what's up with that? Anyway, that's my, the, the end of my, uh, fashion advice probably for the next five years. Okay. The, the match started Uruguay got the early momentum. They, they took their first three points at the eight minute mark. So our boys were looking bigger and heavier. What? Big, heavy Americans? Uh, I'm hoping that sort of wears down in Uruguay as the game progresses. Of course, the Fijians were much bigger and much heavier than Los Terros during the last Rugby World Cup. So maybe that's not the answer. At 11 minutes, it's all Uruguay. We have no possession. We can't do anything. Then a huge turnover for the Eagles. Really relieved some pressure. Let's see if we can turn it around. Ooh, a beautiful line out. With a, a dumb knock-on to follow, I am officially worried about this series. Los Terros looked, you know, determined to s- cement their place today. We are ranked one higher in the world rankings than them, and I think they have come to Colorado to change that emphatically. Oh, and uh, I have a little side note here. I said, who is this ref? He's a big deal. I know it. Who is he? So uh, after the fact, I went back and checked. Sure enough, it is the mundanely enough named Frank Murphy of Ireland, and he is serious business. Uh He's, yeah, so it's it's really good to see absolute top-notch world officials just in any games involving my Eagles. I I I suddenly felt felt all puffed up seeing them there. Then my notes say, "Wow, what a lovely try for Cam Dolan! It's seven three to us in Glendale. This is the first time I saw our size being advantaged. This is also the first time I saw that we have a mascot. We have an anthropomorphic eagle pacing the sideline." I don't know why it's cracking me so much. Oh, man. I really got a kick out of that watching this game. So these last few weeks have really been my introduction to this weird two-test series format. It makes each actual match so much different because you're not thinking about winning-losing tactics in the same way. You're just thinking about scoring points. Score, score, score. 
it doesn't seem like that really makes a difference, but it it definitely does because you know it means that at the end of a match, if you have, it's like well, we can't win it anyway, so we might as well go for the more difficult thing and see if we get it. No, no, no. You you just take the points. Like it does make a difference. It's it, until you're sweating it, it's hard to to describe. Another question for any listeners who may know this. Why were the U.S. not competing at the breakdown, like, at all? Do we not have jacklers? It, it seems like an area that we could find an advantage, just sort of beat them up physically at the breakdown over and over. I mean, obviously, I'm not an expert. But it looks to me like we were sort of letting them off the hook again and again. I, I hope I'm wrong about that. Please tell me I am. Um, okay, I'm going to say it. Our number 11, he was getting too big for his britches out there, I think. He he cost us possession, maybe even points. I think... Uh, he needs some coaching basically to say, calm down a little bit. The next note just says, yes, Christian Dyer gets himself an angry looking try in the corner just before halftime. And we find ourselves up 14 to three going into the break. So I don't feel good about our performance at this point. I don't feel good about the little things that sort of make or break a test. Uh, I'm pleased with the score. I have to assume Teros fans are, are just clenching their collective sphincters even tighter. Um, so later I write, Uruguay are making some pretty basic mistakes now. I wonder if some substitutions are in order. There's another try for the U.S. We're up 19-3 to with 30 minutes to play. Five minutes later, we're looking almost undeservedly confident, but I do feel like it's working. Um, there's a great talking to by the, by the ref with the captains. Uruguay going back on attack and not cowed at all. Then there's a weird moment where what looks like a try turns into a turnover. And by the way, throughout the, the actual broadcast, they happened into some randomly fantastic, just magic camera angles. I'm loving this match as I'm watching it this time. Uh, you know, I think I complained a lot about the, the coverage last time, and I was loving this one. Okay, scrum penalty to us. We are pumped. Uh, we're at the three-quarter mark in the match. Terrace then went for three, which surprised me at the point uh, that made it 19 to six us. And then I remembered, oh, yes, that's the aggregate score effect. They're just get more points, get more points. Uh, then, though, after that, I was a little surprised. Uh, Uruguay went for the corner at the 63rd minute, but boom, pinched by Cam Dolan. <laughs> in fact, I have it here in all caps. Pinched by Cam Dolan, proclaimed the comms. <laughs> and my blood pressure goes way down. And I wrote down. We got this. The ref just gave Uruguay, after that, about almost two full minutes of advantage. I don't know about that. And again, it's odd with these two test series. The coaches have to impress on the players. It's not a question of whether we're trying to win or lose this match. It's score, score, score. It's a really, you know, it must be hard to sort of adjust your player's mentality as well. In any event, Los Terros take advantage, and it's 19-9 to at 70 minutes. A huge penalty for collapsing goes against Uruguay. We have the ball back at 72 minutes in range for a kick. Christian Dyer kind of saves a try. This is still too close, I wrote. I'm getting nervous. Uruguay scored just before the 78th minute. The aggregate factor really rears its head here. I'm just now realizing, how, I wrote, I'm just now realizing how meaningless. No, I wasn't. I was obviously talking about it this whole time. All that matters is it's three points. Um... The final, the Eagles win. You know, in normal circumstances, I'd be, oh, I can't believe it. What a hard-fought win. It's so good. So it's a close win. A close win's not good. 
We won 19-16. The first test we played against Canada, they beat us by seven. We had to overcome that. Uruguay only have to overcome the three, and they're going to be at home. And can you imagine what that crowd is going to be like, how psyched they're going to be after the result in the last one? I'm I'm very worried. Uh, Our our path to Rugby World Cup 2023, it feels much slipperier than I thought it was even – even a few weeks ago. Hmm. I'm out of tea, but I still have a long way to go. I might have to start drinking soon, so bear with me. Anyway, the Super Six. The previously spoken of Super Six in the penultimate weekend of this competition, there was again that lovely format I keep I keep talking about, featuring the Friday, Saturday, Sunday games. I love that. So this time around on Friday, the Ayrshire Bulls surprised the visiting league leader, Southern Knights, grabbing a victory despite a biblical deluge of rain. Uh, they pulled it out 17 to 11. I met, uh, I must have been a, asleep at the wheel. I thought the top two were Southern Knights followed by Watsonians, but with this win, Ayrshire find themselves top of the table and in the driver's seat. In fact, by the end of the weekend, uh, writing this, I was writing this bit on Friday night, it may be a mathematical certainty that a, a Bulls Knights finals in the books. More on that later. Um, by the way, did any of you who watch this notice the referee? That's Holly Davidson. I've seen her as an, an assistant in the Pro 14 quite a bit, and I just think she's excellent. And I'm happy to see her getting actual lead ref, you know, gigs. Uh, but seeing her in the Super Six makes me worried that the URC hasn't retained her. Once again, I'm reaching out to you listeners. So I know she's contracted through the uh, SRFU. So any Scottish listeners, if you know what's up with her, let me know what, what's going on with that. Are we going to see her in the URC this year? Because that would be great. On Saturday, Harriet's was at home, uh, were at home, uh, was it home? Were at home? To take on Sterling County, and they managed to lose by a single point, just an agonizing way for that match to finish. And on and finally on Sunday, Watsonians. <clears throat> uh, um, okay. I have to take a moment here. Watsonians, desperate to hang on to their postseason hopes, atop or just under the top of the table throughout this competition, handling heavily the favorites in this game, dropped what was essentially a must-win game to, wait for it, my Bormir Bears. Yes, somehow or other, and in a result that no doubt had the Southern Knights adding shots to their pint glasses, uh, the three-win bottom of the comp Bears managed to find 35 points which over, uh, overcame the 29 laid down by Watsonians. I didn't double-check, but I think that seals it. I think the final is a showdown between the Southern Knights and the Ayrshire Bulls. I think the Bulls actually might have the home field advantage, if that's the way they do it. Um, that does make this coming weekend look kind of meaningless, but the following weekend will be a great showdown. And And who knows? Maybe with the dead rubbers, maybe my Bears will secure a fourth win to lift themselves out of the bottom spot. Uh-huh. Uh? uh, Bears? Listening? Anyone? I've really enjoyed this competition this year. Scotland Rugby, getting it all set up on YouTube has just been wonderful. You deserve serious kudos for how you've got this league out there. Uh, I've just loved it. Cheers from out here in the States, and thank you. It was awesome. Okay, week three of the Premiership. Pretty good weekend. Uh, Some ups and downs. Friday night, we got to see Bristol taking home Bath at home. Bristol managed to finally get a win, albeit a close one. They won 35-30 to 30 at home. Uh, frankly, based on how poorly Bath seemed this year, I just don't know how much of a victory this is for Bristol. Uh, so it's always easy to overreact early, but 
So I don't have the same worries about like Exeter that I do for Bristol. I think they might be in for a bit of a nightmare season. Um, sometimes that just creeps up on you. Um, if you're a Bill Simmons listener here in the States uh, or anywhere, obviously uh, he talks about that in the NFL. Sometimes teams just have a nightmare season. And um, I just uh, I see the, uh, the early earmarks of that on Bristol Bears. No, uh, the Northampton Saints managed to sneak one past London Irish at home. They won twenty-three to twenty-one in the end. Though I'm sorry to admit, I, uh, to admit, I didn't catch much of this one. It, it looks like the typical tale of two halves. The Saints dominated the first half, going to the break seventeen to seven, only to take their collective boot off the gas. Uh, and in the end, they only got a narrow twenty-three to twenty-one win. I have concerns once again about uh, uh, this year about you know when it comes to the Northampton Saints. I'm just not sure what's going on with them. They it always, for at least a season and a half now, it seems like they should be a lot better than they are. It's starting to feel like a habit with them. So, I decided to sort of pick one game to pay close attention to, and of course, the one I picked turned out to be a slow slugfest. Uh, everything slowed down by a constant downpour. I picked, of course, the Leicester Tigers at home. Uh, who I look, I look to see them being very, very good this year, actually. And they were hosting Saracens, and I thought, this is going to be a tight matchup. I, I actually kind of thought the Saracens were going to take it anyway, but uh, I thought, let's let's see. Let's see if Leicester is for real. Let's see if I'm right about them. But, you know, not the prettiest game. To, if I was trying to get somebody into rugby, this is not the one I would queue up to have them watch first. The first half saw no tries, not much of anything to write home about. Uh, Owen Farrell, who looks a little weird to me. Maybe I just haven't seen him in a while. Does he look weird? Uh, but he slotted uh, three of four penalty kicks. The Tigers nipping one of their own right at the halftime, so they kept themselves within a converted try. Um, it was uh, 12 to 3 at the half. So not a fan of this new vertical stripe on the series kit, by the way. Not sure why they bothered with that. It looks like, uh, I don't know, a traffic cone or something. Um, they, they showed a fan uh, wearing a fez. Imagine what that thing is going to smell like after two hours in the pissing rain. I can't imagine. Oh, uh, then they went to a quick uh, – <laughs> I have lots of random notes for this. There was a quick sideline interview with Kelly Brown, who is a Saracens assistant coach. That might not be his official title. I apologize. That's what I assume he is. And he says, uh, yes, it's a, it's a good Scottish day. It's slightly damp down there. <laughs> I love me a good underplay. That's, that's great stuff. Uh, Freddie Stewart comes in around the 50-minute mark, and they ask him to yeah, – he just comes in cold and wet off the bench at 50 minutes. They ask him to slot a 55-meter penalty one minute after he comes in in the pissing rain. Not surprised to see that one drift off pretty badly. By the way, for the commentators, for, for comms, another Austin Healy match. You know, I get it. He's an expert, but he's – also an absolute rain cloud. Uh, I'd be very happy not to have his input anymore. Thank you very much. So maybe they get him to do video breakdowns because he's very good at that. Uh, and, you know, get him to do some analytics, pop in and out every now and then, but just keep him out of the main broadcast. Just ask him to shut up. Ugh. Uh, Lester finally got a nice, nice set piece deep in the Saracens 22. They nailed the throw. Nice small boom, knock on with a slippery ball. No points. Still only 3-12 to 12 at 58 minutes. Vunapola had a big day in the rain. Uh, another big play after that. Leicester once again come up wanting in the shadow of the goalposts. Still down 9, heading into the final quarter. Whoa! And then Alex Good came in. Good? Good? 
I can never remember. Uh, uh, anyway, double player of the match and double uh, champion of Europe a couple years ago. And all outrager. I wonder if he's still hung over from two seasons ago, in fact. Uh, Tigers, at this point, they can't do a single thing right. The game is getting ugly. The players are looking frustrated. By the way, note to the Premiership and to the URC, you need to get your officials to announce what their calls are when they're giving penalties and scrums. I swear, as a viewer, it's just like a toot, and then and you're like, okay, I'll flip a coin in the air and see which way the arm is going to go up. It, they never say what what happened. That one simple communication would solve so many questions, just infuriating. And I, I know everyone says, well, you know, even the people in the scrums don't know what's happening. But the referee claims to. So tell us what you're seeing. Tell us what it was. Sorry, getting a little fired up. Anyway, at this point in the match, I'm starting to think it's not the weather. It's it's Leicester. They, they can't complete the simplest pass. There's 15 minutes to go. No positive signs, period. Um, and then I said, okay, I think I may have just witnessed the ugliest try in history. Doink, a man goes off the post, bobbles it into the air, into Lester's hands, who then just goes, boom, falls in, in for a try. But the officials just seemed determined to disallow it. Yep, offsides, no try. And I wrote here, add, not a Lester fan to the list of things for which I am eternally grateful. <clears throat> there are 10 minutes to go and uh, not much hope at all. At the 82nd minute, in fact, around 82nd, thir- 82.30, there is a last chance somehow. And then there's literally a whole bunch of spaces in my notes just because I wanted to emphasize like the size of my jaw opening and it just says, oh my gosh, penalty try, not just a try, penalty try at the 83rd minute unreal Leicester Tigers win 13-12 at the final I mean did they deserve to win that match at all that wow Saracens they must just be still standing in front of the mirror just going what by the way anyone who watched this match also at the end they showed a super rich looking guy in the stands and was that Nigel Ray was that him sitting there watching? Because it was just like he was kind of by himself. He was he was with a, an equally rich-looking woman, and uh, there was kind of nobody around them, and he was just kind of angrily shaking his head back and forth. And I, maybe I just want that to be Nigel Ray, but I can't figure out why else they would have picked that shot. So please, somebody tell me again. Another listener appeal. So what a weird match. Moving on, and in far less detail, Newcastle Falcons put away Wasps by a total of 18 to 14 in a match that I couldn't bring myself to watch even for one minute. And uh, last for the Saturday games, Worcester Warriors coughed up one at home to another not very good squad in Gloucester. The final score was 23 to 31 for the Cherry and Whites. On Sunday, more exciting game. Um, Exeter started out looking really sluggish. They did that, uh, I, you know, I don't know if we want to play yet kind of thing. Maybe we'll start at the 10-minute. They're like the Casey at the bat of rugby teams. Uh, they were at home versus Sale. But as the comps pointed out, it seemed like the Sharks sort of punched themselves out for a bit. Uh, or after the, like the, the first 30 minutes or so. After that, the game sort of just began to snowball. When Will Witty, looking like Treebeard playing fullback for the Ents, 
got two boots, a lefty and a righty, on the ball before picking it up and dotting it down for a try. I felt like the match was just well and truly over at that point. It was like, oh, okay, uh, this is Lord of the Rings style. Um, despite it only being, you know, 58 minutes in, it just felt like the end. Sale were down 15 by then, and in the end, they succumbed to the starting to rev it up Chiefs uh, 15 to 25. Will Witty, a great name, by the way, was awarded player of the match for his over and above try. I think he, we maybe, oh, we should call him Trybeard. Oh, I've got it. <laughs> So I don't know how much to uh, to ascribe to the lines being back while the box or not, but you know after that thirty, uh, that thirty, yes, that first thirty sale really did look befuddled. Uh, they looked kind of cashed. I'll be very curious what JB has to say about it on Egg Chasers. Probably right about now. Okay, over in the United Rugby Championship, we had week two. We saw the Scarlets beating the Lions pretty handily. Uh, Again, throwing real questions over the strength of the, the South African size, at least at this stage. Um, it was a, a big win, 36 to 13. Connacht smashed the Bulls, 34 to 7. And since the Bulls just won their own domestic comp, I tried to find out when the last time was that they had lost two in a row, much less if, if next week goes poorly, three in a row. However, I live in the United States, and the internet here won't let you look up anything about any Bulls without Michael Jordan being the main hit for the first 100 listings. Either way, uh, I'm curious about that. Either way, and, you know, they've got to be in a tizzy at this point. They've, they've got to be really worried. They, they top out their competition. They win their own final pretty well, and then they just get hammered a couple weeks in a row. It's a, it must be a strange place to be. Uh, so this gets a little weird. So I wrote... Benetton played Edinburgh at home. And I said, I'm confused by this one. The score says Benetton won 28 to 27. But when you look at the timeline of the scores, as well as the, all the game stats, the score should be 25 to 27. So I'm not sure what's up with that at this moment. I'll get back to you on that one. <clears throat> I put in a break and said, ah, update. Yes, the website failed to list. There was a drop goal at the death that won it for Benetton. So the score listed was correct. Benetton did, in fact, win... Uh, 28-2-27. Bad news for Edinburgh. And then Glasgow did go on to beat the Sharks 35-24 to to remain undefeated. Um, I heard an interview with their coach who was not happy with uh, their – again, there's a lot of these teams. I guess it's the early season thing. A lot of teams seem to be playing for 50 minutes and then kind of you know uh, easing off the gas a little bit. Um, again, one of these top South African teams just looked badly underprepared for what they're getting here up north. Here up north, there up north. Uh, and for a bit on a bit more on this, and if you know if you're a South African fan, check out my interview with New England Free Jacks head coach Scott Matthew. He, he's a native of the Rainbow Nation, and uh, he was telling me that he didn't expect much from these squads in the first few weeks at all, um, especially with the Bakis away. And, and uh, it's true. Right now, British and Irish Lions are filtering in, but the Springboks players probably won't be available for a few weeks, I'd guess. So, yeah, I'm not sure. Moving on, uh, Zebra. They lost pretty badly. No, no, no. No, they didn't. They lost really badly at home. Uh, a ratio of 12 to 1. Uh, they lost 3 to 36. And again, Ulster don't even have their newest toy back from the Springboks. So part of me is starting to wonder. Is there real hope that Ulster might be actual competition for Leinster this year? That would be cool. Although, of course, I'm sort of rooting for Connick, but any competition for Leinster, that, that would be such a nice break. Speaking of which, back in Ireland, 
Munster played the Stormers, and Munster almost doubled their opponent's score in the end, 34 to 18. I don't even know what to say about the Stormers. They, they look to have more issues than I can address here, that's for sure. Uh, the Ospreys were at home for the Cardiff Not Blues, and uh, it was two tries to zero, but Gareth Anscombe got all six of his penalty kicks, and the Ospreys did win 18 to 14. That was the second match this weekend. They had an 18 to 14, I realized. Finally, Dragons versus Leinster. I mean, I didn't see this one. Was it as bad as it looks on paper? Dragons lost at home by a single point, though Giants Leinster only managed a single converted try. The math is simple. <laughs> Seven to six was the final, please. If you're Welsh or Irish and watch this match, please, what is the takeaway? Tell me. Is it A, Dragons are bad and Leinster had an off day, or is it B, Dragons defense is really, really good, and even though their offense isn't, they can hold off the likes of Leinster, hold them down to a you know a single try. I feel like I'm leaning towards A, and there's probably a C that I haven't thought of. You know, again, get in touch and tell me what you think. I'm really, really curious. Okay, that's going to do it for this one. So we'll get into the reviews from an incredible weekend Whew, in the Southern Hemisphere. Oh my gosh, I, I just saying that makes me feel extra drained because of how I felt after that New Zealand and uh, South Africa match. Oh my gosh. By the way, take this as your opportunity. Find it on YouTube. Find it somewhere. If you haven't seen it, go find it before you listen to me talk about it because it it's possible it's the best match I've ever watched. I don't want to talk it up too much. I mean, I just did. Uh, it's right there. Anyway, we will get into the reviews for all the Southern Hemisphere action, including the MPC and the uh, the Aussie match against the Pumas, the hapless. I feel so bad for them, Pumas. Um, we'll also do the Diamond in the Ruck, of course, and we'll lay out the previews for the following week's matches. Questions or comments, I'm at of Scrum. Get in touch whenever you like. I hope you enjoyed part one of this. And a uh, quick note, this will be the first and last of the two-part regular episodes. I know uh, I can tell my listeners don't like the multi-part episodes. This was necessary, but this will be the end of that. Uh, the boringly named Rugby Championship has concluded. My time paying for flow is ending. And there will be just, frankly, a, a much more manageable load of games to cover going ahead. One more important side note. In the previous part of the pod... I used to include my picks for not just winners and losers, but but my idea for the, the final scores. So I still like doing that. I'm not taking that away. But I got a great listener suggestion. So when people want to go back to see if I was right or wrong, which is probably one of the most fun things about listen, you know, listening to me and being like, ha ha, he screwed it up again. Um, if they want to find that out, they have to go back and listen to an entire pod. So obviously, I want you to listen as often as you like, but the fact is, most people don't want to listen all the way through more than once, so instead, the previews section will be just the list of matches, and then my calls for the, de uh, the detailed scores will come through Twitter. So, um, apart from trimming down the length of the pod just by a little bit, it also makes it easier for people who are anal retentive to go back and check to see what I predicted and then tell me how wrong I was and lambast me for it. It'll be great. So, see? I'm here for you. <laughs> anyway. Part two will be tomorrow. What a great weekend of rugby. 
I hope you've enjoyed part one. As always, thank you for listening. Cheers. Talk to you soon and be well.